things we are forced to name. Chapter 5 Crash He didn't know how long he had been driving. He didn't know where he was. It was dark out, and he didn't recognize any of the houses flashing past. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered right now. He pushed the bike onward, faster, faster, hurtling along the road until he felt weightless, the short yellow stripes that divided the lanes warping into one long streak, looking nowhere but the horizon, the wind rushing past his ears and drowning out everything. There was a curve in the road ahead, but he didn't bother decelerating. Either he would make it, or he wouldn't, and he didn't care either way. Road signs flashed as he passed by them, too fast to read, too fast to be anything more than a reflective square of brightness approaching, receding, approaching. The curve had a speed limit attached, 35 miles per hour. Crowley glanced at his speedometer, 80. If he dropped to 65, he could probably still make it. He leaned into the turn, felt his bike slip, felt the loss of traction underneath the wheels and had time to think, I'm an idiot, before he skidded out of control. His left hip and elbow cracked against the pavement, bike sliding out away from him as his momentum carried him forward, grit catching at his clothes, embedding itself in his skin. He slid for longer than he thought he would, and when he stopped, he lay still. For a minute. Three. Fifteen. He didn't know. He wasn't confused, didn't think he had hit his head. The stars just looked so beautiful, way out here in the middle of nowhere, and he was reminded of the last time he had looked up at them, lying down on the ground, soft fingers twined with his own. There was no one around, nothing familiar in this stretch of road, and Crowley lay there, crying up at the wide, starry sky, until it occurred to him that perhaps lying down in the middle of the road was not the best idea, and he should probably check on his bike. He sat up, feeling the stretch and pull of raw skin all along his left side, felt that his elbow was split open, his jeans and shirt shredded from the friction of the road. Not too much blood, though. He stood up carefully, limping towards his bike a good twenty yards ahead of him. It was all right. A bit dinged up, sure, the left mirror was hanging by a thread and the paint had been nearly completely stripped from the left side, but it would still ride. He wasn't stranded. He heaved the bike onto its wheels, walked it around to check that nothing had been knocked off kilter and cautiously got back on, pulling around, going back, going home. His father didn't ask him about it, probably didn't even notice the ripped shirt, the scratched-up bike, dried blood stiffening his jeans to cardboard. It was fine, he didn't want him to. If he was honest with himself, he felt... good. 
Better than he had all day, in fact. Maybe even better than he had all month. His pulse was thrumming under his skin, the ache of road rash a sharp reminder, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive. It hurt, but it was good. He took a long, burning shower, carefully washing out as much of the grit as he could. He curled himself onto his right side on his fold-out couch bed, looked around at his plants, felt nothing but the sting of his side and the heavy clouded weight of sleep pulling on him. He had known there was a possibility that Aziraphale would not show up for their usual lunch routine. He had been rather harsh yesterday, after all. But he wasn't expecting how much it would hurt, how much he found himself wanting to cry again. He felt like he should have cried himself out by this point, and all this outpouring of emotion was not doing wonders for his tough guy persona. But he hurt. His body hurt, his head hurt, his heart hurt. Fuck. So he waited twenty minutes, until he was sure Aziraphale wasn't just late, and then he went home, caution he couldn't quite shake forcing him to drive slow, but at least he wasn't following traffic laws. That would have been too far. His father had fucked off again, leaving Crowley with the house to himself and enough liquor to host a frat party. Well, best get started. Cheers. He lifted the bottle of vodka in a mock toast to the empty room, voice bitter and dull. He took a deep pull, gagging as the cheap liquor hit the back of his throat, eyes watering as he coughed, chasing the burn with more. Num, num, num. Two hours later, he was hammered. And not in the fun way either, but in the maudlin, slurring way, swaying around the room, yelling at the plants about their shortcomings, and if those shortcomings happened to revolve around an inability to talk about things, to face feelings that plants didn't actually have, well, that was between him and the plants, wasn't it? The soft, cautious knock at the front door startled him, and he jerked to his feet from where he had melted into the couch, flinging the half-empty vodka bottle across the room and spilling an arc of the astringent-smelling liquid on the floor. His stomach dropped to his knees. He was too drunk not to start a fight if his father walked in. But his father wouldn't have knocked, would he, and certainly not softly. His stomach dropped lower, and he thought it shouldn't be possible to feel so nauseous with his stomach all the way at his feet. He stumbled up to the door, intending to just peek around the edge of it, but instead found himself flinging it open wide. And what do you want? He slurred, aiming for righteous anger, and landing more on the side of tired and bitter and very, very drunk. Aziraphale looked so small, standing there on the porch, shoulders held close, elbows tucked in, looking down. 
like he was trying to make himself smaller, even more non-threatening. Crowley hated looking at it. The blonde cleared his throat, still staring intently at his shoes. <clears throat> I wanted to apologize for a... well, you know. Do I? There was a cruel edge to his voice, and Crowley regretted asking the question immediately. Of course he fucking knew, and he certainly didn't want to listen to Aziraphale struggling to put it into words, which he would undoubtedly want to sound polite. Never mind. Is, uh, is he here? Aziraphale paused, looking around Crowley into the house. Nah, left again. Crowley shrugged, tried not to wince at Aziraphale visibly relaxing. Can I, um, can I come in? Aziraphale looked up at him through his lashes, like he was scared Crowley might say no and didn't want to face that rejection directly. Crowley stepped to the side, gesturing much too broadly for Aziraphale to enter. Thank you. He carefully stepped inside, and Crowley let the door slam itself shut behind him. I'm so sorry I wasn't at lunch today. I, Well, I suppose I didn't have much of an excuse, really. I was worried you wouldn't be there after, after yesterday, and so I, I didn't go. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry about how we left off yesterday, and I just wanted to tell you... Crowley lifted a hand to cut him off, not wanting to hear the rest of his doubtlessly placating sentence. Aziraphale wouldn't let him. No, let me finish. I wanted to say that I didn't mean to push you like that about going to your house. We can just always go to my house. I don't really care and I would never want to make you uncomfortable. And you should have just told me. I would never hold anything like that against you and I thought you knew that. And then I started thinking that maybe I haven't really been the most forthright with you and I... He ran out of steam and stopped, staring up at Crowley, his brow pinched together in that stupid puppy-dog way he had, biting his lip, and Crowley was not at all fortified against this. And I just wanted to make sure you knew that I... I care about you, and your well-being. Well, that was fucking unexpected, and he was certainly much too drunk to be dealing with it right now. He was just staring at Aziraphale dumbly, probably looking confused as hell. Aziraphale swallowed, looking back down at his shoes, standing in the middle of the vodka streak Crowley had made throwing the bottle earlier. Hey! Crowley's voice cracked embarrassingly. He tried again. Of course, I... of course I knew that. Know that. But had he, really? He had wanted to know that, but how could he know he wasn't just projecting? And you know, I... He couldn't say it, drunk or not, but Aziraphale seemed to understand. The blonde stuck out a hand, awkwardly. Friends? 
Crowley cautiously lifted his hand to meet it, a handshake like they hadn't shared since they had met in community service, just two months feeling like an entire lifetime ago. Sure. They stood there for a second, staring at each other, caught in a strange bubble of déjà vu. Crowley broke it, looking away towards the couch. Um, can I, uh, get you anything? What the fuck? Are you a fifties housewife? Pull yourself together! He tried to counter his words by flopping down onto the left side of the couch, which spit out a chunk of stuffing in protest. I've got, well, whiskey and vodka, and uh, some fireball around here somewhere, or maybe just water... Aziraphale carefully sat next to him, hands on his knees, the picture of prim and proper. I've never tried vodka. Is it terrible? He wasn't virginal when it came to alcohol, not by any means, but he definitely didn't have the vast wealth of experience Crowley did, and tended to defer to him on such matters. Pretty terrible, but it definitely gets the job done. Crowley answered vaguely, scanning the room, trying to locate the half-full bottle he had thrown. Ah, there it was, miraculously right side up, in the pot of the fiddler leaf fig Aziraphale had admired yesterday. He slouched to his feet, spine bent into a sitting position as long as physically possible, snatched up the bottle and threw himself back down. He offered it to Aziraphale, who took it and sipped. Crowley had to laugh at the face he made, but Aziraphale ignored him, brought the bottle back up to his lips, and took a deep swallow. Careful there, Crowley laughed. Strong stuff. Aziraphale wiped his mouth on his sleeve, offering the bottle back to Crowley, who took a sizable sip of his own, and then handed it back, their fingers brushing and sending a warm surge up his arm, catching around his split elbow and leaving it vaguely aching. They sat drinking in companionable enough silence, Aziraphale doing his best to catch up to Crowley's level of intoxication. They slumped lower and lower, sliding towards the indented centre of the couch and each other until they were shoulder to shoulder. You know, Crowley found himself saying without his brain's permission, that I have a little baby sister somewhere. Probably doesn't even know I am around. Oh? Aziraphale rolled his head around, turning his face toward Crowley. What's her name? Dunno. Called her B. She was just a baby when Mum left. He realized that might be a little too close to certain sensitive subjects, but Aziraphale just looked at him with such profound empathy, like he really understood. I'm so sorry. Aziraphale's eyes were welling up, and that was absolutely not going to be allowed to happen. No, no, don't be sad. It's fine. I don't even think about them anymore. The lie was bitter on Crowley's tongue, but he would have said anything to get that sad look off Aziraphale's face. Anything at all. You know, 
I don't think I've ever been this drunk before. Aziraphale said through a hiccup. Feels funny. Not like wheat. I like wheat. Makes things feel good. This is more like... Like I'm not driving. He giggled. <laughs> I can't drive. Crowley looked at him, felt the affection bleeding out of his expression, didn't care. Aziraphale was sitting there, right next to him, pressed all along his unbruised side, and it felt right. Sandwiched between an ache on one side and longing on the other. Balanced. His cheeks were flushed with alcohol. He was still dressed like a tiny lawyer, or an old-timey accountant, maybe, and Crowley loved him. Loved every fucking part of him, from his stupid curly hair to his always shiny shoes. The bastard. He realized Aziraphale was looking back at him, had no idea how long he'd been staring. Probably too long for friends, but Aziraphale didn't look upset. No, he looked... he looked nervous. And hungry. Crowley felt like an overfull balloon, like he would drift away if he broke eye contact, like Aziraphale was the tether keeping him in orbit. Not holding him down, but anchoring him, keeping him safe, keeping him steady. Aziraphale moved first, Crowley was absolutely sure of it, but it didn't matter, because suddenly they were kissing, and not like before. These were open-mouthed kisses, hungry and messy and divine. He licked into Aziraphale's mouth, tasted cheap vodka and Aziraphale, and suddenly, breathing was stupid, Crowley had no idea why he bothered with it. This was so much better. He twisted, trying to get closer, but was pulled up short, his scraped-up skin protesting the strain. He wanted to ignore it, would have ignored it, if Aziraphale hadn't chosen that moment to bring his hands up to Crowley's flanks, and Crowley couldn't stop himself from lurching away from the contact against his abraded flesh. Aziraphale pulled back, deliciously flushed, lips swollen and wet, and Crowley just wanted to go back to kissing him again, but he was looking at him with confused hurt, asking, Crowley? What's wrong? It's nothing, Angel. He tried to reel Aziraphale back in, but he resisted, frowning at Crowley's side, pulling so gently at the hem of his shirt until he could see the red, angry, bruise-flecked skin of his side. Aziraphale gasped, looked up sharply. What happened? His face previously so soft and open with desire, was closed now, horrified. Crashna bike, don't worry about it, I'm fine. Crowley wasn't ready for this moment to be over, desperately wanting to get back to pressing their mouths together, ignoring the rest of the world in favor of that warm, wet distraction. When? 
Aziraphale's voice was rising with panic. Was it yesterday? Crowley's hesitation was answer enough. All the colour had drained out of the blonde's face. He looked like he was torn between tears and vomiting, and Crowley was getting whiplash. Was it... was it on purpose? Aziraphale whispered, looking so, so afraid. No, of course not, I wouldn't... But that wasn't really true, was it? Sure, he hadn't meant to crash, but he hadn't exactly done the most to stop himself either. Not that he could explain that to Aziraphale. There were things he definitely wouldn't understand, and Crowley's occasional forays into reckless self-destruction were at the top of that list. But the worst part, the part that made Crowley feel like the floor had dropped out from under him, was the look on Aziraphale's face. He didn't believe him. He thought... thought Crowley had pushed him away, refused to look at him or talk to him, and then had gone and tried to off himself. It was unbearable. That he would think that, that he would look at Crowley with such grief in his eyes, such betrayal. It hurt. A lot more than crashing his stupid fucking bike head. No, no, Aziraphale, listen, I promise, I promise. He grabbed Aziraphale's face, did his very best to focus on it, brain feeling rather like it was floating in one of those big glass jars scientists used to preserve specimens of interest, vodka-soaked as opposed to marinating in formaldehyde or whatever it was called. He stared hard at those hurt blue eyes, willed the blonde to understand how serious Crowley was. Dead serious. I won't. I would never leave you like that. It went unsaid, but Crowley hoped he heard it anyway. Hoped he knew. He leaned forward cautiously, maintaining eye contact until Aziraphale's eyes were too close, head blurred into a soft blue smudge, before he let his own eyes slide closed, pressed their foreheads together a second before he kissed Aziraphale again, closed mouth, didn't want to push it, just held himself there, waiting for Aziraphale to respond, kiss him back or pull away or something. And with a sigh that sounded suspiciously close to a sob, he did, opening his mouth wide, inviting Crowley in. Skated his fingers up along his side, feeling for the edges of the road rush, skimming, soft, barely their brushes. Tender. Fuck. Crowley leaned into him, easing him back until they were awkwardly bent sideways on the couch, feet still facing forwards, but mostly horizontal on the cushions as they kissed hungrily. Crowley was half lying on Aziraphale, resisting the urge to squirm against him, soft, plush thing that he was. Aziraphale's hand had finished its exploration of Crowley's road rash, drifted down to his hip, fingers catching on his belt loops. Crowley shifted, intending to lean further over Aziraphale, whose hand slipped off his hip and brushed across the front of his jeans. 
Crowley groaned into his mouth, and Aziraphale froze, pulling his tongue back into his mouth and bringing his hands back to himself. Crowley pulled away slightly, confused, and saw the stricken look on the blonde's face. What? What's wrong? What did I do? He tried to keep the hurt out of his voice, wasn't sure he succeeded. Aziraphale was shifting away from him on the couch, extricating himself from under Crowley, who took the hint and backed off until they were both seated on their separate couch cushions, still close, but no longer touching. Aziraphale was looking down at his hands, twisted together in his lap. I've never... <coughs> he cleared his throat. Never... Crowley felt a flood of horror wash over him, a moment's sobriety finally shocking him into realization of what he had been doing, what he had wanted to do. Panic exploded in his chest and he threw himself backwards, away from Aziraphale, immediately overflowing with apologies. Oh God, fuck, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. We're drunk, I didn't mean to... Fuck, Aziraphale, I'm so sorry, please, please forgive me, I wasn't thinking. Aziraphale looked surprised, but the expression quickly melted into one of such despondency that Crowley found himself biting his tongue. That wasn't what I... Oh, well, yes, I suppose you're right, we are a bit... I think... I think I should... I should go. He looked at Crowley, and there was something almost like hope there, but Crowley couldn't risk doing something wrong again, so he did nothing at all, and watched Aziraphale get to his feet and find his wobbly way to the door. Alam, I'll see you tomorrow? He had one hand against the doorframe, and his fingers were gripping it so tightly, Crowley was surprised the old wood wasn't creaking under his grip. He just nodded, throat completely closed. Aziraphale walked out the door, Crowley staring helplessly after him, hands open, palm up on his lap. What did I do? How did that go so fucking wrong? He was too drunk to chase after Aziraphale, too drunk to try and coax an explanation from him. They were right fucking back where they had started, only this time Crowley was the one trying to figure out what had gone wrong. What the fuck?